As I mentioned uh, briefly that Saturday uh, in January, which was nine weeks from my um, open heart surgery, uh, was the first time that I had been back into this building. And um, I wanted to, to share and get a little update about my two hearts. Um, heart number one, uh, dying, was doing a little better. And heart number two, the one that will live forever, um, needed more work, as I suspect yours does too. If you turn back or still to Luke 24, that will be the first of two passages that I would like to, to look at uh, this morning. Our topic in a broad, big picture sense is we want to see and hear this morning how it is that God desires and has designed for His Word, His words, to permanently transform and conform His children into the image of Christ. And you'll hear me talking about uh, four words this morning. Preaching listening, burning, and cutting. Preaching, the, the proclamation of God's Word. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the Word, Paul told Timothy, and by extension told everyone who will preach and teach and, and open up the Bible in any context and and, and lead and say, thus says the Lord. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience or endurance and teaching instruction. We use the term often, and it's an important term, uh, that of expository preaching. That preaching which focuses singularly and solely on a passage of, of Scripture, and whether it's a verse or, or, or several verses or a chapter or, or anything else, expository preaching and an expository sermon is where the main point of the sermon comes from the main point of a Bible passage. It's not an opinion, it's not a personal perspective or reflection. It is a true congruence to the Word of God, an exposure of the Word of God. Second, listening. And this is all of our role. We need to become just as preaching and preachers and even teachers need to be expository in their approach and in their nature and in their preparation and delivery. So too, all of us should be kind of a new term last 10 years or so for me. We need to be expository listeners. That is, expository listeners come to preaching, come to teaching with an anticipation, with an eager desire to listen for 
expository preaching, to listen for the main point of any given passage that has been is being exposited and to accept that and to embrace that and to rejoice in that and to be satisfied with that. Jesus spoke a lot about listening. He uh, understood that uh, the heart of men, even ours, uh, is not open to good listening as a matter of course. Six times in the Gospels, he said, he who has ears to hear, you finish it. Let him hear. Let him listen. Not just an audible, technical, but a, a mental, whole heart acceptance and embrace of what is being spoken, what is being preached, the word of God in this case. In Luke 8, 18, Jesus said, take care then about how you hear. He was very concerned for those hearers. He said this, for the one who has, in other words, who has heard, more will be given. But also to the one who has not listened, even what he has heard will be taken from him. Listening to preaching is a stewardship that must be faithfully pursued. Later in Luke 18, as, as Jesus was being sought by his mother and brothers and, and couldn't get through because of the crowds where he was teaching, preaching, uh, his disciples said, uh, how, Master, can we, can we get your, your mother and brothers through to see you? I'm sure you want to see them. And he said, listen, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Are we his family? We are when we will hear his word and do it. So preaching and listening are parts. The other two words are God's part through his spirit. And that first word is burning. So that truth would be remembered forever. And then cutting so that truth will change a heart forever. And I'd like to explore those words together, burning and cutting in two passages. Passage number one, the one we began to read, you're back there now, Luke 24. And we read again, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I'm sure you've heard this before, that that word that Luke uses here, interpreted to them, or explained to them, or opened up to them, or exposited, if you will, exposed to them. This is the word from which we get the word hermeneutics, which at its basic level just means to interpret to explain. The Ethiopian eunuch in the desert was reading the book of Isaiah and was approached by Philip, and, and Philip said, 
what are you reading, and, and do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, what? How, how shall I understand if no one will explain it to me? And Philip went on to practice hermeneutics, explanation. That is what good preaching, sound preaching is, is an explanation. Uh, we at this church believe in what is uh, often referred to as a literal, historical, grammatical interpretation. That the literal is that we believe the author's intended meaning for his, in, his original audience is that which we are seeking. Historical interpretation means that the historical and cultural setting and the background of the time and the place where these things were originally written or said is taken into consideration. Grammatical interpretation means that language matters, words matter, grammar, syntax. And so we do our part to go back 3,000 plus years often to uh, a place that we've maybe never been in a setting we've never been, but to gain understanding of the original meaning of the text. Jesus, in this passage, as you've heard, is the master expository preacher. He is the living Word of God, and he explained from the written Word of God to two men. Two men who did not recognize him. It's interesting because we'll see in a moment how much the message impacted them even when they didn't even know who the messenger was. But the messenger was the living word of God. It took maybe two and a half to three hours to walk along those seven miles. Maybe they stopped a time or two for some water and a rest, and Jesus continued his expository sermon. And in his extensive sermon, which is only summarized here, Jesus brought forth the meaning accurately and clearly from many texts. From the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. From the Psalms and, and the Proverbs and the prophets and Ruth, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Micah, Zechariah, and Malachi. That would be a great sermon series, wouldn't it? Maybe a year to go through all the books of the Old Testament to see the teaching that Jesus would have used to explain who he was and what he was accomplishing even then. Jesus explained about himself. He explained himself as the suffering, dying, servant savior god's own messiah and again his audience two listeners who as of right now were not fully convinced and were not fully faithfully followers that would change and then i paraphrase you can look at your eyes 28 through 31 essentially the three of them with this sermon being preached by the master 
expository preacher of all time. The three of them arrived in the village of Emmaus. They arrived at uh, the home of at least one of them or both of them, and they uh, invited him in to break bread with them. He gave thanks, and when he did that, only then did they recognize him as Jesus, and of course, he instantly vanished. Leaving them, verse 32, to ponder and discuss and declare exactly what had happened in their hearts on that road, listening carefully to that sermon. The sermon is done. The message has been heard and received, and it's left its mark. It's accomplished God's purpose in their hearts. And they said to each other, did, our not, did not our hearts burn within us? I think the NASB says, are our hearts not still burning within us? For while he talked to us on the road and when he opened to us the scriptures... It's an interesting word and metaphor, burn. You look up burn in the Old and New Testaments and you see it literally as fire consuming. You see it as a metaphor or figure of speech. Again, almost always negatively, almost always severe and violent and even destructive, but not here. The burning here is a is a constructive in a, a building and edifying thing the emphasis is on its permanence its indelible imprint i had to look up indelible and make sure i was using it correctly indelible like ink is that which stains permanently it can never be erased or removed Jesus' words, the word of God that was preached in an expository sermon by the master expository preacher burned permanently into the hearts of these men. I think of this burning perhaps like a cattle brand. If you imagine the, the metal uh, iron brand being heated in the fire, even with, with air, to, to make that metal a, a burning, glowing, searing hot. And then on the behind, the backside of the cow, leaving its imprint permanently. This is what God's desire and design is when expository preaching by the Spirit of God meets expository listening. His word is indelibly branded on our hearts so that we may never forget it. Never. Something burned on your heart can never be forgotten. It's there to stay. And this is what spirit-filled, spirit-gifted, studied, trained, practiced, Presented preaching accomplishes when it's met by spirit-filled, eager, hungry, desperate listening that desires to know, 
desires to understand God's Word, to believe it, to trust it, to obey it, to apply it, to meditate on it, to pray about it, to share it with others. What role do you play in this preacher-teacher-listener dialogue? And how well do you play it? What about before a sermon? Do you prepare to listen? What about during a sermon? You got anything else in your mind? Doing anything else on your lap or on your phone, or are you on the seat of your, the edge of your seat, waiting to hear not from me, not from a man, but from God Himself? How carefully would you be listening to a instruction teaching on? expository teaching on CPR if you knew you were going to the next day see your child on the bottom of a pool? How carefully do you want your heart surgeon to listen and prepare for his final exam? I don't want any 72% on my heart surgeon. Or your airline pilot when he's learning being taught, instructed, and practicing how to land your airplane. Or maybe you're a believer in Jesus Christ who knows that tonight you're going to do battle with your enemy within your flesh. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the heart, what, what, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you listening even this morning to hear what you need to know from God's Word to do battle? That you're going to do battle tomorrow? You know you're going to do battle tomorrow with your adversary, the devil who is a roaring lion, prowls around seeking whom he will devour with his snares and his wiles. I don't have much time to waste, do you, with learning and remembering forever so that we can obey and apply the Word of God. What about after? What about after the message? Are you reviewing and reflecting and meditating and praying and pondering and discussing and getting ready for the next lesson. Turn to our second passage and we're going we're gonna to give burning a partner. Acts chapter 2, if you would. Again, Luke's account of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. We have not the time, but you will have time this week, I'm sure, to read Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41, 
which comprise the entire sermon here. The setting, of course, is, is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come and been manifest in a, in a miraculous, fantastic way. The preacher is Peter. Let me tell you about the, the preacher. You know this, seven weeks prior to this sermon that he preached, this incredible expository sermon, he was at the lowest point of his life. He was at perhaps the lowest point of any Christian's life. No, Jesus, the rest may deny you, but I will never deny you. I will die for you. I'll cut off a guy's ear for you if it comes to that. And the bravado, the intention, the the genuineness, the authenticity of Peter... It stood, it rained for a couple hours until he was in that courtyard and even faced with the, the brutish uh, intimidation of a young maiden. Three times. I don't know him. I don't even know him. No! expletive, expletive, I don't know him at all. And what did he hear? Immediately, cock-a-doodle-doo. The rooster crowed. And as he looked up, Luke tells us in, in his account of this, he met the eyes and the gaze of who? His Savior from across the cart, courtyard. And he was wretched, sick, and grieved. And he wept in humiliation, in depression, in desperation. Seven weeks ago from this sermon. Well, he had seen the resurrected Christ. He had spent some time on the beach. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, 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 feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. The Holy Spirit has come. And God, because God is sovereign in who He picks for expository preaching. He preached arguably the most impactful sermon in the history of the New Testament. We begin in in chapter 2, verse 22, and read about Peter's audience. It was the men of Israel, thousands of them. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified Him and killed Him by the hands of lawless men. 
But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verses 25 through 35, Peter will continue his exposition and he will explain and give the meaning from the life and writings of the patriarch King David regarding Jesus, the promised Christ. And we we pick that up and listen in in verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And this Jesus God raised up. And of all that, we are witnesses, therefore, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Like Jesus' sermon on the road to the two in the audience, this was a gospel message. A gospel sermon. I've come to understand more and more that every sermon, because every passage in the Bible is ultimately a gospel sermon. The person of Christ, the gospel, the work of Christ, going deep and deeper and deeper. We never get done. We never get satisfied remembering Jesus, remembering Jesus. Why? Because we forget Jesus and we forget Jesus. And we need to remember Jesus across the entirety of Old and New Testaments. And every sermon is either diving deep into that or is going wide from that because every other thing in the Bible is how we are to be conformed to that very image of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Gospel sermons need to be listened to as a matter of spiritual life and death. Verse 36, Peter's coming to the close. And here's a truth to know for certain. Every good sermon has one truth that must be known and remembered forever. And here it is in this sermon. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Do you know for certain That Jesus is your Lord and your Christ. Do you know for certain that it was your sin that nailed him to the cross? It was your sin for which he died and paid the price in your place. These men did not yet until now. And this expository sermon 
this expository preaching, the one thing that they had to know forever has now been delivered. There was no music playing just as I am. There was no invitation. There was an authoritative demand that came from the sovereign God Himself. Know for certain that God has made Him Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. In verse 37, doesn't say, but we know already this truth was burned into their hearts. And they were never going to forget it. But there was more. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut through with the double-edged sword of the Word of God. They were pierced through with that same sword of the Word of God. And all they could do was to say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, I find this very interesting, Peter was preaching, but the question was to all the rest of the apostles and Peter and their brothers because something was happening visually, audibly, where the apostles were acting as a team with the gospel message, with the preaching of this sermon. Brothers, what shall we do? So the one thing to know has been known and accepted and, and received and understood and believed, and now the one thing to do. This is what good sermons will do when they're met with good listening. And Peter said to them, repent. Meta noeo, change your mind, change your thinking, change your words, change your actions. That's all there is. Thinking and words and actions, but they all need to be changed. Not just once and be baptized and for salvation, but every time the Word of God is preached, there is something to be burned and never forgotten, and there is something that needs to change in my life, in your life. And we must confess, and we must repent, and we must believe, and we must know, and we must say, and we must act in accordance with what we have just learned. Good preaching brings that to bear. Good listening listens for it, and God burns and God changes forever. The fruit, verse 41, those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. From these two passages, one thing to know. One thing to remember forever. CPR is tomorrow. And that is that God's Word preached and received. All of God's Word 
preached and received burns into our heart to remember forever by the work of the Spirit of God, who is the only true teacher. He is the only burner, and He is the only cutter. God's Word preached and received all of it. Every bit of God's Word cuts into, pierces through our hearts so that we might be forever changed. This is what it means to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the time is always now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of sanctification. Not tomorrow. Now, right now. And one thing to do. Become active. Never passive hearers, listeners of the Word. Be prepared. Be intentional. Be eager, hungry, thirsty, desperate hearers and listeners and doers of the Word of God each and every time it is preached. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, throughout the week, reading it, listening to it, speaking it. If you're a teacher, you're a preacher, preach the Word. Let it burn your own heart. Let it cut and pierce through and change your own life so that your message has the credibility and the power that God would have it to have. It's God's message. Let's pray. Father, we, we are not sufficient in ourselves. We are weak. And praise God that you are strong and you have promised that in our weakness, your grace will be made strong. God, how does that happen? It happens when we listen, when we drink, when we receive, when we remember, when we believe and trust and understand and obey and apply and pray and meditate and share with others the truth of your word, every bit of the truth of your word. God, please, we beg you for this church, for all of your churches. Provide men 
and women to preach, to teach, to provide listeners with the solid meat of the Word so that we may grow thereby so that we may be changed forever more and more into the image of our Savior Jesus Christ to His glory in the church. Amen and amen.